0: Well, I think as we move into the second week of the book, uh, looking at the book of Hebrews, there's a few things that we need to think about. One is uh, last week we covered very, uh, very much so that Jesus is greater than anything. And I know it's one thing to say that, but it's another thing to believe that. Do you believe that Jesus is greater than anything, any power, anything in this world? Do you believe that Jesus is greater than your job? That Jesus is greater than your responsibility to something else? Because if we can't find ourselves embracing the truth that Jesus comes first no matter what the question is, we find ourselves not truly believing God's word. So, as we move into that, I was just trying to figure out, are there a few things that we try to avoid at all costs? Do you have some things, as I say, you know what? What are some things that you avoid, no matter what? I mean, what comes to mind, part of us say, well, if we could avoid paying taxes, we'd avoid that. When I was a kid, and my kid likes to avoid chores, at all cost. Or maybe it's that you want to avoid that coworker. You know the one that I'm talking about. The one who you can never seem to quite understand why they picked you to share all of their interesting troubles with. How many of you just say, you know what, I'll do anything to avoid San Antonio traffic? right? Now, while we agree, uh, it could be any number of things that we try to avoid in our life. We could probably uh, agree that one of the things that we try to avoid often is pain. We try to avoid pain. We don't want relational pain. We don't want physical pain. We don't want pain that comes from having poor health. So we focus on our health. And then we do things that bring pain, like working out. We do things that bring suffering, like working out or being on a diet. You know what, we, we wanna avoid so many things in our lives. We wanna avoid pain, we wanna avoid suffering. We often take that on ourselves and say, if we can help people in our country to avoid pain and suffering, we will do all that we can to ensure that. So we join the military and we defend the freedom of those whom we love, whom we care for, And we even defend the freedom of those that we don't even agree with. But most of us, if we were truly honest, would say we would love to avoid death. Well, maybe not death, but if we knew how it was going to happen. If we knew when it was going to happen, the one thing that we don't want when when it's our time to pass is we don't want it to So I have a question. What are we afraid of? What are the things that bring fear into your life? Because fear often brings pain, and fear often brings suffering. And when fear takes over in our minds, and maybe others can see this in you, that's when the worrying and the angst happens. And we we build up these things and we have a, a troubled spirit. Sometimes we fear things like a person with a mask carrying a knife that takes all your money and leaves you unconscious. Now, if you meet somebody that meets these details in a dark alley, what do you call him? A mugger, right? A thief a robber, a bad man. However, if you meet this person in a bright hospital room, what do you call him? Doctor. (laughs) One you fear, the other you think. One is a mugging, the other is a surgery. So what I wanna talk about today is that Jesus is greater than the things that we tend to fear and what we're going to see today is that he is greater than suffering, he is greater than death, that Jesus is the utmost reality of anything that we can know, and Jesus is greater than anything that we could fear. So we're gonna look in Hebrews chapter two, starting in verse eight, going through verse 18. Here's what he says. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. So this is basically telling us that God placed everything in the world, everything in all of creation under the authority of Christ Jesus. At present, we do not yet see everything that's in subjection to him. Translation, he is Lord of more than you can see. There is stuff going on around you that if you saw it, it would scare you to death. There's stuff going on around you that if you understood what was going on around, you'd say, I, ha- I don't want anything to do with that. He is Lord of more than you can see. And this Jesus, this Jesus was given all power, all authority. We see him, but we see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus. This is talking about Jesus coming down to earth. And he was crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, the king of glory. Jesus took on our suffering, he took on our sin, he took on every bit of what we brought into this world, he took it on himself in pain and suffering so that by the grace of God, he might taste death For everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. And as we read that, we kind of scratch our heads and we're like, I think I know what that means, but, huh? By suffering as a man, by Jesus suffering as a man, here's what happened. He became a more fitting high priest for us. By Jesus suffering, taking on the form of a man, becoming a little lower than the angels, Jesus took on our suffering and became more fitting for us, that he can truly represent us since he fully knew what it meant to be human. There's no other religion that can tell you that their God knows what it means to be human and divine. In his humanity, taking those things on, it means that he saves us. And here's how I, I want you to think on this because we we kind of struggle with this idea. We know that there's this this understanding that Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's 100% 100% equals a 100%. But think about it in this way. The temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Now, if you're familiar with the this uh scripture, uh, it's in this this moment where Jesus is doing his ministry. He's he's um he's thinking about entering into these things, and, and he goes out into the desert to pray, and in, during that time, he prays for 40 days. In 40 days of fasting and praying in the desert, Satan comes to tempt him. Now, this is a pretty common occasion because I know that you know what it feels like to be tempted. So Jesus in his hunger, Jesus in his thirst, Jesus in his separation feels tempted. But Jesus, is the very first one to be tempted by Satan and when Every other human has lost. Adam, he lost. Abraham was tempted and he sinned. Moses was tempted, he sinned. He didn't get to go into the Promised Land. Joshua, he was tempted, he sinned. Every single human who has ever walked this earth sinned. And Jesus endured 40 days and he never sinned. And that means that his holiness becomes our holiness if we trust in him. Continues verse 11. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have one Source. That is Jesus, the one who sustains, the one who upholds everything, who brings glory to himself and glory to all that's around him. He brings the glory of salvation from himself and puts it on us by taking on our weakness and putting himself under the penalty of that weakness and put himself on the cross by taking on our weakness and making us holy through his power. We find that Jesus sanctifies those who are sanctified. It's only through Christ that we have a sanctification. That means that we are being made holy. That means that all of our transgressions are not being held against us. Jesus is the only one that can do this. Jesus is the only way. He continues this way. This is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. He calls us Family, because of what he did on the cross. He was not ashamed to call us brothers. He says, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation, and I will sing your praise. Jesus, Jesus doesn't hesitate to call us family. He doesn't hesitate to identify with us if we share in his sufferings through accepting what he did on the cross. Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother or sister. Jesus is not ashamed to identify with you even though you are trapped in your sin in this moment. We live in this tension of this already but not yet. We live in this tension that Jesus Christ has saved us, that he is the once for all sacrifice that will be made perfect at judgment. We live in this tension that Jesus has already saved us, but we have not yet become perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. Jesus identifies with us and he takes it and he sanctifies and he says, you are my brothers. You are my sisters. And I will sing of your praise before my heavenly father. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children that God has given me. Jesus calls our relationship in, and he says, you are intimate to me. You are loved by me. You are tenderly loved by me. Since therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, the children share in flesh and in blood. And don't miss this, because this is what this means. It's not just an idea of Jesus, God coming down to earth. It is God came down and took on very human, very real. Jesus became flesh and blood. Jesus understood exactly what it meant to be human. He himself likewise partook of the same things. Jesus lived in the world that you live in. He took on the same struggle. He took on the same needs, hunger and thirst. The one who had never hungered or thirst took on hunger and thirst. The one that had never felt the separation. of family felt separation as he walked out from his home into the world that he was ministering to. He himself likewise partook of the same things. And we then in all of this become a co-heir with Christ, a brother, a sister of Christ. That through him, that through death, he might destroy the one that has power over death. That is the devil, power of death. That is the devil. Now, here's the thing. This isn't saying that Satan is somehow more powerful than God. What this is saying is that there's a transactional thing happening here, that death is the result of rebellion. Death is the result of sinfulness. Death is the the result of the penalty of sin. And that means that the only way to defeat death is to defeat sin. Verse 15. And deliver all those who, through fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus took on suffering. He took on all of these difficult things. He took on temptation. He took on every bit of these things that were separating us from God. So that the power, the power will be broken and the ruler of death will become powerless. It's only through this sacrifice of Christ that death has lost its sting, that death no longer has hold over you and I, that he broke the chains that bind us. For surely, for surely, it is not the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Now, if you recall... Last week, we talked about there's an issue going on with the Judaizers, the ones that were Jewish Christians. In this moment, as they were, as they were worshiping and, under, and they were thinking about this intertestamental period between the Old Testament and New Testament, they didn't even know the New Testament existed, right? But here's the thing, these people were worshiping angels because they were mighty, because they had power. And they took on this understanding, this thought that there was a guardian angel that would, would take on their, their stuff and protect them from all manner of evil and difficulty. And these people started thinking that maybe these angels were more than maybe they should be. And when we had this writer talking about the, that Christ is greater than the angels, Christ is greater than these heavenly beings... And he says, surely you know that Jesus didn't come to help the angels. Jesus didn't come to, to help take care of these heavenly beings because they exist in this otherness. He came down to help the children, the offspring of Abraham. And you guys, that's a super important point because it's in this moment that we are taken back to the point where where Abraham was blessed by God, and he said, you know what? All the world will be blessed that you will have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, the sand on the seashore. Abraham's seed would redeem all mankind. The sin of Adam would be erased, and God would establish his kingdom, his children, And it's in this that the offspring of Abraham have been helped through Christ. He did this not for the angels, but for the people that call on his name. Therefore, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every single respect. Jesus took on our experiences. He took on our temptations. He took on all of those things and he never gave in but that doesn't mean that he didn't feel it. It means that he felt it even more. It's not that Jesus was somehow immune to the feelings of temptation, that Jesus was somehow immune to the, to the desire to rule right now with no cost, for the desire to fill his stomach with bread made from stones, for the desire to quench his thirst, that Jesus had an immunity to temptation because he did not. He just never gave in to it. If we didn't give in to it, temptation grows. Think about it. Have you ever seen that, um, uh, that um, study where they put kids in a room and they put in front of them a piece of candy or a marshmallow or whatever, and they say, okay, here, I'm gonna put this in front of you and you can have it right now. But if you wait, something better will come. I'll give you two. Have you seen this study? And have you laughed at it as children agonize over looking at this marshmallow, right? And they're like, they kind of pick it up, they squish it, they look at it, they sniff it, you know, and they put it back down. And they just keep staring at this marshmallow. Marshmallow. And eventually, some kids just can't take it anymore. And they know that they can't take it anymore. And so they shove that marshmallow in their mouth only to find that the person comes back seconds after they put it in their mouth. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Only to know that if they hadn't given in to that temptation, they would have received something better. Jesus was tempted in every way. But I will tell you right now that all of those temptations that you and I face, you can think about them and you can probably number them and you can probably say exactly what temptations are more difficult for you than others. Because for some, we don't have the temptation to do thus and so, but this other thing, oh my goodness, that is a temptation, right? And so we give in. Jesus never gave in. And Jesus' suffering matters because his suffering in the midst of temptation meant that he could be merciful and faithful so that he might become merciful and faithful priest in the service of God. Jesus had to become like us. Fragile, human, struggling with everything that is common so that he could be the intermediary, that he could be the one that intercedes between God and us, that he could be the one that speaks on our behalf, the one that says, listen, I I know that they are doing some things that they should not do. I know that they are behaving in a way that is not in line with your holiness and your standard, but I want you to know that I'm taking every bit of responsibility for what they're doing and I will redeem it. Because he, for he himself, has suffered when he was tempted. For because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He took on the whole of the human experience. And I think that's probably the sticking point for most of us, is that we go, how can we truly know that we can trust following Jesus because he was God after all. He took on every bit of what it meant to be human. He took on every bit of the human experience so that he is able to help us in our struggles, to show that Jesus is greater than suffering and Jesus is greater than death. So as we looked at those first four verses of Hebrews, we saw that Jesus is greater than anything ever. And we put that in the banks of our minds, but then we we go, I'm not so certain. Because Jesus never had to file taxes, right? Or did he? Render unto Caesar, what is Caesar's? Well, but Jesus never had to worry about having a place to put his head. Oh, wait son of man doesn't have a home. Even foxes have holes. Huh. So Jesus took on our suffering so that we, the oppressed, he took on our suffering so that we, those who are oppressed, will win in the end. Jesus took on every bit of our human experience so Jesus knows firsthand what it's like to be where you are. He became human so that you would know that he has been there too. He knows things like despair. He knows what it's like to not want to do something. He knows what it's like to have agony over what your next thing is. He agonized in the garden. He was in despair about what he had to do. He suffered rejection. he didn't go to middle school, but I tell you what, he suffered rejection He didn't have to ask that girl on the date, but he suffered rejection. He had bouts of loneliness. He lived in poverty. He experienced loss. Remember Lazarus? He endured torture. He's in prison. He had thirst and hunger. And Jesus knew every pang. He felt every bit of pressure that those things brought. And he took on our sins so that one day he could end evil without ending us. So that one day he could cause all the evil in the world to stop but still hold you. He took on every bit of the suffering, the temptation, the difficulty of the cross, and he said, I will bear it all so that you can be with me. And if you've never thought of it that way, have you ever really met my Jesus? The suffering that he took on was because he did not want to destroy us. Suffering in our lives, that suffering that we endure does not have to destroy us eternally. That those things that we struggle in, those, those habits, those hang-ups, those difficulties that we live in, the suffering, the sin, the despair, he took all of that on so that those things didn't have to destroy us. Because suffering, Sin and despair cannot keep you from God through Christ. You can be sure of your eternity today. You can be sure of your eternity today because what we find out is that transformation can happen through suffering, because I think there's some people in here that said, you know what, if you really knew what I was dealing with, if you really knew the darkness of my heart, if you really knew the thoughts that I battle, if you really knew the person that I see when I look in the mirror each day, you would understand that there is something that even God can't do. But in that difficulty, in your suffering, in the way that you feel about your current circumstances, in the way that you feel about your health, in the way that you feel about your finances, in the way that you feel about the relationships that you once had that you no longer have, in those things, through our suffering, God can use those to transform you. Enduring through hard changes us. Enduring through the difficulty changes us us. Something that I know about suffering is this. We only want to agree to something if we know the outcome. We only want to agree to suffering if we know it's just for a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. If I can eat all the cheeseburgers I want, but still have a beach body, I'll work out. I have a beach body. It's just a beach ball. We only wanna to agree to things if we know the outcome. And that's why there's this, the appeal of shows that like Survivor that ran for so, so long is that I will endure some really hard stuff if I know I'm gonna win some money. That's why we go to the gym because we wanna work out so that we'll have the gains, right? That's why we go to school because we want the degree, we want the things that it brings with it. But here's the outcome of suffering. In suffering, grace increases. Grace increases in our suffering. Grace abounds to those who endure hardship. Tim Keller said it this way. If you face suffering with a clear grasp of justification by grace alone, your joy in that grace will deepen. On the other hand, If you face suffering with the mindset of justification by works, the suffering will break you, not make you. He basically said this. If you are saved by grace, you will find deeper joy, even in the midst of your suffering. But if you are saved by works, you will be broken. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter five, verses one through five. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope, well, it does not put to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which he has been given to us. And that's it right there. That's, that's where grace increases in our lives through suffering. Because if we allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in us, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our disappointment, in the midst of the things that we just hadn't happened, in the midst of the consequences of the sins we brought on ourselves, in the midst of everything that we endure, if we allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in us, he will pour into our hearts and he will bring grace and he will increase joy. Notice I didn't say he would take away the consequence of your sin right now. So two things before we go. Two things before we go on and share just two important things before we wrap it up for today. The first one is this. You do not need to seek out or enjoy suffering. Just because we grow through hard things does not mean that we need to seek out the hard things. It doesn't mean we need to say, Oh, you know, it's my lot in life to suffer for Christ. Well, while that may be, you shouldn't go seek out opportunities to suffer. Second thing is this. Suffering in your life is not because you deserve it. The difficulties in your life, the suffering that you endure, is not because you deserve it. Some Some suffering is a natural consequence to a choice that you make. If you overspend and you rack up debt and you don't make enough money to pay your debts, there's a consequence there. But some people look for and wallow in suffering. And it's just to deal with their own feelings of unworthiness. Say if I, if I can just find some things that make me feel like what I feel is justified. But here's what Paul says in Romans chapter eight. He says, and that we know for those who love God, all things work for good. That even in the midst of difficult things, when things aren't good, even when things just aren't right, the result in us, can be good. Through suffering, our faith matures. Jesus has been there. When we look backwards through the life and the ministry of Jesus, we see that in the midst of his trials, his sufferings, all the things that he took on, we can look forward with hope of our salvation and of the resurrection. Because Jesus, he never leaves, and he never forgets you. And we may be confused, and we may not see the end, but he gives us grace for the taking every single day. John said it this way, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Would you say that with me? For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. You have received in the fullness of Christ, grace upon grace. In the fullness of Christ, grace upon grace, in the midst of your troubles, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your poor decisions, you have received grace upon grace upon grace, and it is new every single day. Can we find joy in the midst of our suffering? We can, if we have Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, there are a few things in our lives that we just don't really like. Pain, fear of death, And Father, in the midst of trying to avoid those, we choose things that don't honor you. Father, in the midst of trying to become our own kings, setting up our own kingdoms, we ignore the suffering that brought forth joy, that covers us with grace. Father, help us to be people that understand and take hold of what Christ did for us that he took on our sin, that he took on the very nature of us. He knows what it means to be human, but yet he didn't sin. And yet he withstood temptation so that he could stand and take on your full wrath. That through Christ, your wrath was satisfied god i i i have to believe that there are people in this room that have never really fully understood that jesus took it all on so that he could pull us near that jesus took every hit every trial every temptation every bit of it he took on so that he could whisper to you, these are my children that I dearly love. And God help us not to spit in his face. Help us to accept that gift of salvation through Jesus. That it's only through him that we can be with you forever. Father, help us to understand what it means to find joy in the midst of suffering. Because through Christ, death no longer holds us. God, for that person in here that's never experienced a gift of salvation through Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would open their hearts and their minds at this moment. And Father, that they would take this first step of believing that Jesus died on the cross for them that he took on their sin, their, gout, their guilt, their doubt, their, every bit of their human existence and took it on himself. And he paid the penalty, death for sins. But Jesus, when he took death on the cross, he didn't stay dead. He rose again victoriously, thus defeating death. And it's through the promise of the resurrection, that we can walk today in the grace of Christ. Father, for the person in this room that has never truly placed their faith in you, I pray, Lord, that today is that day. Father, that you embolden them. Father, that they stand up, that they take a step of, of outward obedience to you. And Father, that they would come and they'd tell someone, that they'd walk to the front, to the back, that they would tell someone that I have accepted Jesus. But Father, for those of us who have experienced your grace and we find ourselves going, I'm gonna take it on myself. God, would you remind us that we shouldn't take on things that we weren't meant to bear. God, help us to be transformed from the inside out through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, may we give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.